Hey, York Alliance. Welcome back to the York Alliance Daily for Tuesday, November 10th. Hope you're doing great in this unseasonably warm fall November day. Um, We have a few more days of beauty before reality will start to set in. So I hope you're uh, enjoying the crisp fall weather and uh, hope that you are having a great week. I want to do a bit of a dive into this middle parable that we looked at on uh, the weekend gatherings, the last section of Matthew chapter 21. Um, to do that, let me just read the beginning of the parable. As um, as Jesus began to teach, remember he's teaching Jewish leaders uh, and teachers of the law, those who very specifically knew with detail the scriptures, the the law, the prophets, the psalms, like they, they knew these things so well that when there were patterns, they would pick them up. Listen to the way Jesus began the parable. Here another parable, he says, this is verse 33 of chapter 21. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went to another country. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like overkill to me. It seems like he's giving a a bit more detail than needed for us to understand what's going on in the parable. What's happening here? Well, I I don't know how familiar you are with Hebrew love poetry. Uh, Probably not a lot of us spend a lot of time in Hebrew love poetry. But um, Isaiah chapter 5 is a beautiful Hebrew love poem that begins in beauty but ends up calling the, the nation of Israel back to God. Uh, listen, let me, let me read for you. This is starting in uh, verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Do you see the parallel? Jesus, as he's speaking, we have it recorded in Greek. We don't know for sure if he was speaking in Greek or in Hebrew to these Hebrew scholars, but he's clearly referencing the pattern of Isaiah chapter 5. And so as the teachers of the law heard Jesus teaching in this parable, they would have immediately moved to Isaiah chapter 5. And if you keep reading in Isaiah chapter 5, the point of this love poem is the, the frustrating fruitlessness of this fertile vineyard. So if you pick it up at the end of verse 2, he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done it? When I looked, when I looked for it to yield grapes... Why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. 
And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. That poem would have been ringing in the ears of the teachers of the law as they heard Jesus begin this parable. And so what does Jesus say happens? Well, uh, first there are servants that are sent and then more servants that are sent. Who are those servants? Well, they uh, pretty clearly represent the prophets who have come to call the nation of Israel back to fruitfulness in the midst of their fruitlessness. But then, ultimately, the landowner sends the son. Now, the son would have been, it's recorded in Greek for us because Matthew is writing in Greek, but the Jewish leaders would at the very least have been in the Hebrew mindset reciting Isaiah chapter 5. It's quite likely that Jesus was teaching in Hebrew and it simply is recorded in Greek. Either way, um, they, they hear the landowner sent the son, and that word in Hebrew is ben. Now, I'm not, not talking about the name ben, but the word for son, the Hebrew word for son. So, um, when, uh, when Jesus is speaking in uh, verse 37, he said, finally, he sent his ben to them. He sent his son to them. Now, why is that important? Well, um, Jesus says this fascinating thing at the end of the uh, at the end of the story, verse forty two. He says to people who have spent their entire lives studying and understanding the scriptures, he says this: "Have you never read the Bible?" <laughs> Which I think is just so hysterical. He says it over and over again to the teachers of the law when he's trying to make a point, and it's it's such a it's such a fascinating little dig because he's like, I, "You've spent your entire lives studying the Bible, and you don't see the connection. You you don't see what's happening here." And then he quotes from Psalm one eighteen. Now, Psalm one eighteen is a psalm about the steadfast, unchanging love of God. And the call back to righteousness in in, in the midst of the, the love of God. That there's a um that that God's mercy never changes, and there's this infinite call back to God, and that He is saving, He is working on behalf of His people. But right in the middle, verses 30, 22 and 23 say this: the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. An exact quote that Jesus makes in verse 32. Why is that important? Well, the the word stone is a bit of a wordplay. Jesus is connecting the dots. The landowner sent the ben. That word for stone in Hebrew is eben. What he's saying is there's a connection between the sun and the stone, the ben and the eben. That the, the, the sun, the ben, is tied to the stone, and the stone is representative of the ongoing steadfast love and mercy of God. The sun calls us back to repentance. The eben as Jesus says, is an invitation. The stone the builders rejected becoming the cornerstone. But then he says in verse 44, and the one who falls on this Eben will be broken to pieces and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. 
So what's Jesus saying? Well, he's paralleling the the desperation of Isaiah 5, the call back to the Hebrew nation to be fruitful when every condition for fruitfulness has been met by God. He's calling them back to fruitfulness. But he's tying it to Psalm 118. He's reminding them of the steadfast mercy and love of God, the invitation. It's actually a brilliant tie back to the parable of the two sons that are, that's right before it, where Jesus says that there's, a, uh, th- there's an ability to turn and obey regardless of what our mouth says. And, th- and that's what's so fascinating in that uh, last, um, uh, Jesus' last words on that parable uh, at the end of verse 31, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And listen to what he says. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. See, there's an invitation back. You see it, now you can turn. Now you can change. So what's all this mean for us? It's a fascinating uh, Old Testament reference with some interesting Hebrew wordplay that's going on. What's it mean? Well, a couple things I think we can take. First of all, that um, the call is to fruitfulness, not just busy work. Jesus has invited us not to simply tend the vineyard, but he's invited us to bear fruit. It's fascinating in Isaiah 5 that wild grapes are produced, but real grapes, fruitful grapes, productive grapes are not. And so God is interested in justice, justice as a product of our lives, but he's also, by his very character, merciful. And so there's an invitation back, and I think that's the bottom line for us. There's an invitation for us and for the world around us. Remember, this parable is bound up in what we call the ownership game or the idea of redefining ownership. Do you and I need to follow the directions of the owner to gain fruitfulness? Or can we do it however we want? Are we in charge? Jesus is making a clear statement that God as the owner has a way that he's inviting us to bear fruit. And so we need to follow. Jesus often ended his teachings, not here, but in many places, by saying simply this, do you have ears? Then listen. And I think that's the truth for us as well. Do we have ears? Then open up your hands and trust God to be the owner and remember that we are simply stewards. Hope you have a great day today. I pray that the grace and the peace of Jesus would rest upon you, dwell deeply within you, transforming you, and flow from you to the world around you. For his sake, for his glory, and for the joy of the world. Have a great day. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow.